the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back. Y'all, this has been... Uh, absolutely bananas. We are coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three. It is 11.30 p.m. on the East Coast. We do have BYU currently holding a 14-3 advantage against USC. But if we're trying to catch our breath, it's because we're coming in the moments after the conclusion of Oklahoma State's 37-33 win against Oklahoma in Bedlam. And that was just like the icing on top of a cake that was already just with everything that had happened, maybe even prior to kickoff, an unbelievable day in college football. Uh, that's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. And like, do you want to work reverse order? Do we just want to throw this around and just, how about this? Just like general thoughts on the day. Like, like Bud, just as, as we sit here and we're going to go through some of the line items, we even have like Thursday nuggets to pull out, Friday nuggets to pull out. So I don't want to waste too much time, but... Um, it today felt special to me because the 2021 season was one of the most anticipated in the history of the sport. We didn't have fans and now we were going to have fans. The excitement that we felt was pulsing through the cover three listenership. We saw it with all the excitement that was wanting to watch all the football that was going to unfold, not with conferences starting at different times. This was a traditional rivalry week in a mostly traditional season they gave us chaos at the beginning with ranked teams losing, and I just feel like it delivered. It was just a, a phenomenal uh, day to let anybody who might not be all the way in college football like we are understand why we have so much passion about this sport. You don't get this in the NFL. The, what what an awesome day! Just you know, I honestly I I wasn't in love with Friday and and you know the Egg Bowl. Okay today delivered so well i mean but all, all, all the time slots mm -hmm. right my my wife wanted me to put up this, this snowman we had in the front yard I'm like when am i gonna do this i i, I gotta find like okay halftime of the iron bowl i i guess is is the right spot i was Here's at the jones christmas tree farm at 9 a.m i knew we had to get this thing out of the way early <laughs> uh, where do you guys want to i mean I, I think we need to start obviously ohio state michigan yeah i mean that came was this morning and it feels like it was two days ago already <laughs> but it was still the most significant no i know but i'm just saying yeah. that's oh, to, yeah. to speak to how today was it's like oh that's how we started the day and it feels like it was you know two days ago yeah yeah but jim before we got to talk about mike gundy getting his jim harbaugh got his in a really big way tom you were live blogging this game and so uh, i do want to give you uh the so guide us through how you want to break this thing down because you were 
hinging on every bit. Your words are on cbsports.com. Please go check it out. But um, what what's really starting to stand out to you as you continue to process the result of wire to wire, like pretty dominant in all phases of the game, Michigan 42, Ohio State 27. Yeah, it's it was a strange feeling because, you know, we've talked about it on the show for a lot of the last month where it's like, this is a very good Michigan team. It's just you sit there and you watch it and you realize that it's good, but you've seen this story too many times before where it's like, hey, this team's pretty good. And then it goes and gets waxed by Ohio State and you realize all the deficiencies it had. So even with this team building up to the game, it's like, I, I'm like, all right, no, this is the most balanced offense that they've had. They've got a terrific pass rush. They've got a strong secondary. And it's like, this is all really good stuff. But I can't fully buy in until I see it against Ohio State. And it showed up today. And like you said, this was not like crazy plays happening and getting a few bounces to go your way and then not pulling off the upset. First drive of the game, Michigan drives 75 yards, touchdown. Had a chance to go up two scores. Cade McNamara was tried to force the ball to triple coverage at the goal line, got picked. But like that's the one. It, when that happened, I was I went straight into oh okay here we go. That's when the game turns. But it didn't. Michigan, you know, they fought back. They took the lead and they never gave it up. And the one thing that really stood out to me in this game, or the one takeaway that I kept coming back to, is like we we spent so much time this season talking about how Ohio State was. The one team where we thought because of its offense, it could give Georgia a real run for its money in a playoff game. But as I was watching this game and I was watching Michigan just run the ball down Ohio State's throat all day long and thinking back to September when Oregon came into Columbus and just ran the ball down Ohio State's throat, Ohio State never would have had a shot against Georgia because Georgia would have just run the ball right down its throat and it would have gotten at least a stop or two to win that game. And I don't think Ohio State could have ever gotten a stop against this Georgia team the way that this defense played. Because another thing that stands out from this game too, Michigan, four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Ohio State, no sacks, no tackles for loss. And the last couple of years, the one thing that Ohio State's defense has really lacked is the elite pass rusher. Michigan's got two between Aiden Hutchinson and David Jabo. And we have seen the impact that that has had on Ohio State's defense the last few years where it's like they don't have NFL studs in the secondary. They, they have guys who'd be helped out if Ohio State had a consistent and strong pass rush. And it has it sometimes, and then some games it completely disappears. Michigan's offensive line dominated them in every facet, in the run game, in pass protection, in everything. And they lost. And Michigan, this is just, this is, I, I tweeted this during the game. This is the most Stanford looking Michigan, you know, like when Harbaugh was at Stanford and they were really rolling, this is the like most closest thing I've seen to one of Harbaugh's Stanford teams since he came to Michigan. So I gave Michigan a lot of crap, right? And said, hey, James Franklin has done a better job relative to the Penn State job than, than Harbaugh has at Michigan. And before today, I totally stand by that. But I, don't you guys feel like this one was different? Like, like th this is way different than all the other Harbaugh wins. It's not okay. Like, there, there's no asterisk on it. Ohio State, in my power ratings, was pretty clearly the number two team in the country. Michigan went out there, and they beat their ass yep. physically. Tom, check this stat out. 85% leverage rate. <laughs> Only 15% of their downs... <laughs> We're passing downs. <laughs> yeah. Ohio State never got them behind the chains. 
It was incredible. Yeah. Hassan Haskins, 68% rushing success rate. Blake Corum, 67%. Like when you run the ball 34 times with, with, with those two dudes for what, a 235, 240? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I did not think that Ohio, Ohio State's defensive line would get mauled like that. And it wasn't just them getting out gap. Like M- M- Michigan was really getting great surge. I think on, on the backside, or rather on the other side, it wasn't just the speed rush that gave Ohio State problems. It was the power of Ajobo and, and uh, um, Hutchinson. Hutchinson. And Hutchinson. See, I almost said Winovich. Hutchinson. <laughs> and that they were able to compress the pocket around Stroud. And even when they weren't actually sacking him, they, they weren't running by him. So they were keeping him contained in there. And they played more one-high stuff than I thought that they were going to play. I, I thought they would play a lot of like two-shell stuff and let the pass rush get home. But they were able to do some interesting things with, with, with some of the robber coverages underneath, making Stroud move off his spots a little bit. They didn't have to blitz him a ton, but they did bring it some. I mean, in, in kind of a throwback to, to some of the old Don Brown stuff, they, they mixed coverages, they, they confused him. He's still really good. But Michigan was physically the dominant team on both sides of the ball here, and that was really, really impressive. So hats off to Jim Harbaugh and, and the Michigan guys. They They absolutely went out there and earned this one. Yeah, so I think go ahead. I was gonna say to be clear, like when the pass rush didn't get home or pressure Stroud, Ohio State was able to throw the ball really well because Stroud did finish with 394 yards passing. Jackson Smith and Jigba had 127 yards receiving. Garrett Wilson had 119, and Chris Olave had 88. So it's not like Michigan's secondary shut down those receivers. Nobody can. It's just that pass rush and the pressure they were able to get disrupted enough drives and it also like Ohio State had five false starts some of that was on the crowd but a lot of it was also on the tackles thinking I got to get out quick because this guy's going to blow by me if I don't see I was going to say like this to me uh, it matters so much for Jim Harbaugh it matters so much for Michigan after the game Aiden Hutchinson was telling reporters that all through the offseason look like am I going to bite on the crack that these veterans give that talk about the team and their motivation? Yes, 100% I am. But Aiden Hutchinson was saying, like, we judge ourselves against Ohio State. We didn't want to hide from it. We didn't want to try to act like this is anything other than us trying to close the gap. He said all through the offseason, all through workouts, through strength training, through fall camp, we were always looking at it like we are not going to make any excuses for why we are not on Ohio State's level. We've got to get to Ohio State's level. So the win matters. But I also think that given the weather conditions, given the setting of Ann Arbor, Michigan, big house, like crowd tuned up, I do think that if this game is played, for example, in Indianapolis at uh, the Colts Stadium where the Big Ten Championship is 10 times, I think that Michigan finds itself probably splitting with Ohio State, right? Like, I'm not walking away from this. I'm not walking away from this saying that Ryan Day or Ohio State has any major flaws. I'm coming out of this mostly with positives for Michigan, especially being able to take advantage of the opportunities that presented itself given the situation. I I don't think Ohio State is flawed, but I do think they have weaknesses. Well, we can't I, snap all the way back from like number two team in the country. Oh, yeah. This is so awesome. I can't believe right. what we just saw to be like, yeah, I mean, what are they like? Not much better than Oregon, right? Like they, they still that's, played well. You're dead right, but at the same time, we did say in the second week of the season, the defense was a problem. 
I mean, they 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 took Kerry Combs out of play calling duties. They switched it up, and things did improve. But it also coincided with going against some lesser teams and that defensive line again. They, no tackles for loss, no sacks. Like they got pushed around. They got pushed around by Oregon. They got pushed around by Michigan. There are weaknesses there. They were not able to get off the field. Bud was talking about the leverage rate. The average third down distance for Michigan today was three yards because on first down, they were picking up five every time. On second down, you know, they were always getting themselves in third and short and staying on schedule. And Ohio State couldn't do anything to stop it. How about, if you didn't watch this game, you think that's a misprint, by the way. Like, yeah. you don't see an 85% leverage, <laughs> yeah, leverage rate in a conference game. Like, like when Bama plays New Mexico State, Okay, but that 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 was absolutely crazy. I, did Michigan play possum? You guys think, or or did they just come up with a great game plan and they were physically motivated? Because they only scored forty points one time in conference play. I it was think, against that zombie Maryland team. I don't think they played possum as much as I think that. Obviously, this is they ran the ball for three hundred yards. Yeah, this yeah, is the yeah, game like, they wait they for. They wouldn't have scored that many points if they'd been getting like shut down running the ball. And and I think that opening drive was so important for how that game played because the, for them to come out at home, get the ball first, drive down the field and be physical and then score and get that place fired up because the big house is a great place to watch a football game and Michigan fans are great. But that place is not always the most electric atmosphere. Like when things are going poorly, that place is like a library at times. And I think it really hurts Michigan in those spots. So to get that crowd fired up quick in that game and they kept that energy the entire time, I think was huge. Ohio State also kind of lost its cool. Yeah, they're not used to being in that situation. And that's the thing. Like you see elite teams like that. And that's the one concern with Georgia. Like if they fall behind at some point, teams that aren't used to being in a position where they need to do something or they need to come back, sometimes they don't know how to handle it. Mm. Um, How about Jim Harbaugh with the, uh, some people are born on third base and they think they hit a triple comment. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see that. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> in his bag, bud. He, yeah, like he might not take his shirt off and take the team to Rome this spring, but I'm not going to say that he's not going to take his shirt off and take the team to Rome this spring because not since the satellite camps have I seen Harbaugh as swaggy as he was in the postgame press conference with that sub shot at uh, the man who just picked up his first. I mean, it's. Harbaugh's first Ohio State win is Ryan Day's first Big Ten loss. Mm-hmm. It's so sweet for this rivalry. Like, I want them both to be the head coach at these schools for the next five years because of what happened today in Ann Arbor. Because it's just so different now. It's awesome. My favorite part of that Harbaugh quote is not just the fact that he said it, which I really do appreciate him saying it, but it's all the Ohio State fans in my life who I know who are all, <laughs> the entire time I've known them have been incredibly cocky, especially when it comes to this rivalry, just seeing how angry and defensive they were <laughs> about Harbaugh saying it because it was the first time they got him and they're just like Ohio State today finding itself in a position where it had to come from behind. These Ohio State fans were never in a position where under Harbaugh where they had to feel bad about anything. So what was the... Um, inter- I don't know if you guys have the sicko podcast brain that I do, but I constantly have like conversations and and points that are just running through my brain at all times. It's just like you get delete it, you rewrite it, you delete it, you rewrite it. So what do you make of the fact that Alabama needed a 97-yard drive to score a game-tying touchdown and eventually win in one, two, three, four, 
four overtimes. Ha, 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 ha. But yet they win. And I come out feeling confident about the Crimson Tide. I don't. Am, no. I, am, am I broke? Okay, good. Cool. That's we, we, we talked about it. That, that offensive line was getting beat up all day by Auburn. And now they're going to go play Georgia. And granted, like Alabama's defense balled out today too. Like the only reason Alabama won this game is because its defense kept them in it for the entire time. But like, no, that Alabama team, it's it's the least physically impressive Alabama team I've seen under Nick Saban in a very long time. They lost a lot of important guys off last year's roster. They have not replaced them at the same rate. We keep waiting for this team to show us something other than what it has shown us. And I think they have a really good quarterback in Bryce Young, uh, who keeps getting better. They have a pretty young receiving core. You know, Mechie is solid. Mechie is not the, hey, now, now he's going to be your number one guy. Not, not, not all the dudes off last year's squad are gone. You know, they, they lost Jamison Williams to that targeting on, on putt coverage, which is, you know, wild. <laughs> um, but Tom nailed it. The inability to run the football uh, on Auburn, which does not have a good defensive front. I, I think Auburn has a good secondary, despite the fact that their meltdown against Mississippi State. But the fact that Bama couldn't get movement at the line of scrimmage consistently against Auburn's defensive line uh, is concerning because I don't think that's one of the better defensive lines in the conference. And they were not able to push them around at all. Uh, you know, w- w- When I see a guy like Damian George playing for Alabama, that's concerning to me. Right, I, I don't know that that he is somebody who would have started on really any of the prior Alabama off, offensive lines. Um, this team just doesn't look like it has another gear to tap into. Also, this game should have never gone to four overtimes ever. Nope. Brian Harson is the guy that instead of doubling down, you know, w- within eleven against a dealer six and either cashing out big or walking away a loser, he's like, I tell you what, let, let me just slowly bleed out over the course of the next 30 hands and then lose anyway. You're a 20-point dog at home. What the hell are you doing kicking the extra point? Go mm-hmm. for two. Try to win the game right there. Alabama's a far superior team to you. You had actually been playing uh, poorly for about the last 30 minutes or so, yes. really. <laughs> There's nothing in the record of today's game or of the prior 11 games that say you are going to make a, make a nice comeback and start playing well in overtime, go for it. See if you can hit it right then. I, I just I, I made the analogy of the casino, but why would you extend the game you don't. against yeah. a far superior team? That's dumb. I can see why. Like, I know some people at Auburn who are like, yeah, if, if Washington or Arizona State comes calling, you know, and, and if, if he has the jab or gets the jab or whatever, we'll, we'll wave that, that buyout. Yeah, like, I've seen a lot of Auburn fans mad at Tank Bigsby for going out of bounds. I've seen a lot of Auburn fans mad at the refs for some of what they believe to be questionable calls. But no, I, I think the reason, like, they should be mad at Brian Harson for that decision in overtime. Because like you said, when you're playing a superior team, extending the game only increase your, increases your odds of losing. So to do that and not go for two then just, I mean, you might not have won the game, but I feel like that was your best chance to win because that's pretty much a coin flip at that point. I'm taking Alabama and Atlanta. Like on the spread or to win? If if Alabama had won this game by 10, you know, and looked bad, but just kind of gone through the motions, 
I wouldn't be I wouldn't be on this train. But there's there's something about them getting out of that was a game Alabama should have lost in so many different ways. You point the listen. You, you think point, they've got Auburn Jesus now? They're the team of destiny. <laughs> I'm just I don't know, man. Like Alabama getting out of that game and out of that stadium with a win is a little bit spooky. And and the Jamison Williams targeting that you mentioned, Bud. When was that? Oh, that was in the first, first half. half. Mm-hmm. And did you see Nick Saban say that? you were lip reading him talking to Jameson Williams immediately after the call on the sidelines, he said he was like, it's just a half. (laughs) (laughs) I just, Herbie ain't beat Nick yet. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I just, I feel like what you're doing right now is what we did with Oklahoma all year where we just convinced ourselves that the elite team was going to show up and then waited for it and waited no, for no, it. No, no, no. I'm I'm predicting a uh and this and this feels just uh absolutely, you know, awful to say on what was formerly a Georgia pod and can sometimes be a Georgia pod. The scenario that I'd be predicting would be Georgia plays down, not Alabama plays up. Mm. Can uh, Georgia play down and still win? Yes. yes. I think yes. So. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it, was, it it would be it would be a take in a position that would be a little bit contrarian, you know, like in in the spirit of our guy DK. But I just there was something spooky way that about the way that game ended, like because college football type stuff. Nick Saban was just a little bit too happy and confident after the game, you know. It's just so, like, I agree with you, Chip. I kind of wonder though, does. Sometimes when when you have a team you don't think is very good, and they win, as a coach you're just like, "This is awesome. Go have fun, guys!" Right? Like like we 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 worked eleven games of this. We're not we're not we're not getting any better. If anything, we're, we're regressing a little bit. <laughs> we won. Brian Harson didn't go for two. Amazing. Take Bigsby stepped out of bounds. <laughs> Seriously, guys, what a cool win! Like I, I sometimes you got to win like that. I think he appreciates them winning the West. Because he knows they're not that good. Mm-hmm. The 2017 team limped into that national championship game against Georgia with very, like, very low confidence in what they were going to be able to do. Starting left tackle Jonah Williams goes down with an injury. You know, Jalen Hurts can't get anything done, and you know, we we saw what happened after that. But I don't. I don't know. I don't mean to speak any more of that uh, 2017 uh, as as if that's not going to be brought up enough throughout the week as we look ahead to the SEC championship game. But um, my fear for that game still remains the fact that Alabama cannot run the ball, which means Georgia's only got to defend one thing. Well, I mean, that doesn't have to be a fear. That can just be like a point of saying like what we think should play out should play out. The whole idea of wouldn't it be hilarious is, is the idea that something that on paper should not happen will happen. Just no, I don't see it. <laughs> no, it I think happen. it's gonna. I think I don't it's think it be, will happen. I think it's gonna be a pretty boring playoff this year, guys. <laughs> you think it's gonna be Georgia? I think you better hope the two-three game is exciting. <laughs> this year, like for for all the people who say the playoff shouldn't expand, right? And I, I I think it should. This year is a perfect year for the 1946 model, which I believe was the last year that they declared the national champion 
before the Bulls. <laughs> we don't even need a playoff. Let's just go ahead and give Georgia the national championship, and then let's go play these bowl games. I you mean, know? this yeah, TV money, fun. let's make these picks, and let's give these locks out, and that'll be fine. If you think about it, it is kind of unfair that we're making Georgia have to play two more games at this point. It's like, I feel like they've proven the point uh, already. That is the best I completely take. agree. Yeah, that is... That is that is my that is my favorite take from the 2021 college football season. It is unfair it that is. after 12 games and 13 weeks of football that we are going to make Georgia put its national championship on the line because everything that the Bulldogs have done have shown they are the number one team in the country, without doubt. So bedlam. It was bedlam. That's why they call it that. Hey. <laughs> there's there listen there's now a third outcome for bedlam <laughs> there's not only two there's oklahoma wins by a little oklahoma wins by a lot and oklahoma state wins by a little <laughs> look at that <laughs> now that game was nuts i mean i i don't even know what to take away from it honestly i don't think there is anything you can take away from it that lincoln like, riley's going to lsu no, you can't take that away from it. <laughs> Although I will, I'm just going to say. Call him that. Call that Rouge. That yeah, was that, I, will, I will just say that, like, just, I know all the rumors are out there, but it is, it is kind of funny that when you think about all these big name coaches who have been attached to these big jobs that have opened this year, all of them have received contract extensions and raises except for one. Huh. Don't know what that means. Do you think the better team won? Yes. Yeah. I think, I don't think. Are you talking about the performance today or the team in general performance today? No, I think, I think Oklahoma was the better team today, but I I think Oklahoma State was pretty fluky. I was busting my ass writing so I could be here with y'all when y'all want to go. So no, I didn't get to see every second of it, but I would say that in general, Oklahoma State has been the better team. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State on the season has just been the more complete team and it's been more functional week in and week out where it felt like for most of the season, Oklahoma was only an offense and then it, it's defense finally caught up. I thought, I thought Oklahoma's defense tonight was actually pretty good, right? So kickoff return for touchdown doesn't go against Oklahoma's defense. Um, a drop punt on the eight doesn't really go against Oklahoma's defense. That's 14 points right there. They only allowed 354 yards on the day and held, held Oak state to 5.4. That's pretty good overall. You know, I, I I was pretty – I thought Oklahoma's offense was better. I thought Oklahoma's defense was better. Oklahoma's special teams, horrendous tonight. Kickoff return touchdown allowed, dropping a punt, obviously not great. Now, of course, Oklahoma State also reciprocated and dropped a punt of their own earlier in the game. Uh, but Oklahoma's special teams basically cost them 14 points. Uh I also thought the refs, and we can get into this if you want, are the refs screwing Oklahoma because Oklahoma is leaving the conference? I don't really think so, but that was kind of a screw job tonight, regardless of, of intent. And ES or ABC's own analyst on there, uh, Bill Lamagne, I think his name was, he was pretty livid about it on, on the play where they slam the Oklahoma running back down uh, and they pick up the flag. And then, of course, the pass interference in the end zone, which – for whatever reason, was not called there at the end of the game. I'm fine with it. Let's steer into it. Yes, that's definitely what happened. <laughs> All right, so if, if, if we're going to go cold waters, 
the atmosphere was awesome. Like, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you give like the home crowd sort of influence on officials on that one? I mean, there are a bunch of people with giant paddles smacking the walls around you. Yeah. And there's that one guy with that head, the suit and like that pumpkin head. He was kind of scary looking. I don't know if I'd want to mess with them either because like you're so close to the field there and the seats are so like pretty much at field level that you feel like they could come on there and just swallow you whole within seconds. Which is the same as Michigan. Michigan's got that same fans are just bearing down on you type situation. It's a little, it's a little different, Jim. Are you, are you talking about the library against whatever's happening in Stillwater? They don't want to. They don't want to spill wine on their shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want to give credit to Oklahoma State's defense here, though, uh, for the variety of calls they were able to come at Caleb Williams with, but still maintain their rush integrity. Sometimes if you're facing a QB who is that mobile, it's hard to dial up a whole bunch of different stuff because you have to make sure that you keep your, your rush integrity so he doesn't just get out and run for a million yards. And he did have some good rushes tonight, obviously. He had a long of 56, so you know that, that one was, was fairly nice. But I thought they did a really good job. Like, look at the final sequence uh, before like the very last sequence, right? They uh, On the one, they're bringing everybody, and then they come out, and, and they, they bluff bringing everybody and they're dropping and they're playing like a little three under zone stuff with what looked to me to be at least one spy on that. Uh, just they, they were able to confuse him, make him get off his first read more often than not. And that was fairly impressive. The other thing I thought was Oklahoma's receivers did not do anything. It was all their, their kind of tight ends and, and H backs, which was interesting, but they, I, I mis-evaluated this team this year as far as their receiver quality. I, I thought they would get more out of Hazelwood and Woods and um, Marvin Mims, and they just didn't. Like These guys are not running wide open like they used to. Mm. Coming up on the other side, we open it up and take a look at the entire board and reach back to a little bit of Thursday, Friday. Takeaways from a busy, busy rivalry week. 13 next the all-new hyundai 2024 santa fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family the all-new hyundai santa fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure what kind of features well how about the available h-track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or the standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. And as the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phones starting at just $15 a month. Phone plans, not phones. Sorry, guys. It's phone plans starting at $15 a month. But the thing that's exciting about Mint Mobile is that you don't have to buy a phone. You can keep your same phone. You can keep your same number, $15 a month, and you can find out about this best offer of the year. Three months, and you get three more months for free. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All the plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And with Mint Mobile, you can choose the amount of monthly data that's just right for you, so you can stop paying for data that you never use. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with your existing contacts. So switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. So for a limited time only, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months for free by going to mintmobile.com slash cover three. That is mintmobile.com slash cover three. M-I-N-T mobile.com slash cover three. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash cover three. A lot of... uh, a lot of places to go here uh, in terms of, of what we want to jump on next. We, we've only been taken the ride through the wild rivalry day that were those headliners in each of the three major windows of the college football Saturday. Um, dealer's choice here. Uh, where do you want to go? The, Can we go Friday? Yeah. yeah. Iowa, Nebraska. Battle of the backup quarterbacks. <sighs> Nebraska finds another way to choke away a game, dude. Nineteen point fourth quarter for the Husker, or for, mm-hmm. excuse me, not for the Huskers, for the Hawkeyes, and they go to the Big Ten title game. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that was no, that was um, it's interesting. I mean, there was. Like you, you see it. It was like a horror movie. Like where you realize, like you know where the killer is in the house, and you see the character like slowly opening the door to that room. And, yes, Tom. Like, yeah, because it, I was offense moves so slowly. <laughs> yes, they're like a they're like a horror movie killer. Yeah. Yes, I'm glad you said this. And you're sitting there, you're like, no, don't, oh, you idiot, don't go in. And that's just what it felt like watching Nebraska because it was like everything that they could do wrong or could go against them in the like the last 16 minutes of that game went wrong because it was a 19 point fourth quarter, but there was that field goal by Iowa to cut it to 21 to nine with like 10 seconds left in the third quarter. So it was literally the 22 point quarter in reality and they blew it. And it was just, Oh God, like Logan Smothers played well. Like I was very surprised by that. Cause I figured, you know, Adrian Martinez is starting all season long. There's gotta be a reason for it. And then Smothers comes in and he was playing really well, but you know, he made mistakes. It's like, it's not like Iowa was killing the ball offensively. Padilla was terrible. Petrus came in and was Petrus. Like Tyler Goodson had a good day, but it was just, it was a very remarkable 
but completely unsurprising ending to Nebraska season. Yeah, at the time, I remember, because it was funny, everybody was kind of mocking Iowa for wearing like the West Division champion t-shirts in the locker room and celebrating that they were going to be co-division champs at worst. And then Wisconsin goes out and loses to Minnesota today, which now Iowa's in the Big Ten title game to face Michigan. And to be honest, I mean, it's cool for Iowa to go. I'm sure Wisconsin fans are disappointed, but I really don't think it's going to matter. I feel like Michigan's going to do the same thing to either one of them. Oh, no, no, no. In in true Big Ten championship game fashion, I'm fully expecting it to be way closer than it should be, even though you never think there's going to actually be an upset. It'll just be close enough. I mean, it's an Iowa-Michigan football game. It's not because Michigan is Iowa and Wisconsin turned up a couple notches. It's the same team. It's just better players. You don't think Iowa will make this ugly for like 20 minutes? No. I'm, but I'm kind of with you. I think I think it's going to be a game where it. I'm not saying Iowa's going to score, but if this is seven three with four minutes left in, in the first half, oh, it'll it won't be a, totally shock me. It'll be a dominant seven to three, though. Of course, like yeah. Iowa's never going to cross midfield. Like their lone field goal will come up because of a muffed punt, <laughs> but the so, offense will never cross midfield. See, to me, Iowa's win didn't click enough until I saw. Wisconsin handing the game away to Minnesota. And I, and then I, it really resonated for me because, I mean, and the bias being obviously whatever I drove me to make the lock and the pick of, of Wisconsin being able to win that game against Minnesota. But I was like, oh, cute. I won, but it's all right. Wisconsin's going to beat Minnesota. Wisconsin's going to go on. They've been playing their best football here at the end of the season anyway. And um, now you just look up and you're like, okay, this – Hawkeye's team is 10 and 2. All right. You know, like, <laughs> okay. all of the doubt that was uh, applied to talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes when they were ranked number two in the country, and everyone's like, yeah, the Hawkeyes, number two, feels like it's coming back now that I'm like, the 10 win division champion, Iowa Hawkeyes that are 10 and 2. And you won it. Congratulations. You know, no one's ever going to take that from you. But uh, ultimately, Tom, I think I agree with you. Well, Michigan's not on upset alert. Yeah, because, I mean, like, if you think of Iowa so far this season, the only dominant performance they had in the Big Ten was the Maryland game. Like, they, they beat Penn State by three. They beat Northwestern by five. They beat Minnesota by five. They beat Illinois by ten. And then they had needed that miracle comeback against Nebraska. Like, this is a team that I firmly believe is going to get its ass kicked by Michigan next week. It, it, it probably will. Um, can we go to Raleigh? Oh, yeah, yeah. But before we do, can we get some likes out here? I oh, mean, yeah. I, I, I need to uh, knock on the door and see if I can unhatch some, uh, some maybe some sports line subscriptions or some swag. We'll see what that is, but... We need to see more likes. I know how many of y'all are watching right now, and I don't see enough of y'all watching also smashing that like. So go ahead and go do that. And we appreciate all of you that are watching along at youtube.com slash cover three. Let's uh, let, let's see if Coca will release some prizes. Let's get those likes up and we'll, uh, and we'll start that conversation. But 14 points to start the game, 14 nothing. And two more touchdowns to close the game, erasing a nine-point lead. In 30 seconds. In between all this, North Carolina, what was it? 
30 to 6. But NC State wins. <sighs> and North Carolina, um, it, it, shocking, amazing. I, I loved it, bud. I loved every single second of it because it's the full emotional roller coaster of uh, North Carolina national television. Like, oh, this is when they, they come and they, they trip up. And that's what it looks like right out the jump. But then you had the return, in which case you introduced the NC State doom and gloom. And doom and gloom around the NC State fan base is, well, I mean, that's, that's just like one of your first emotional options. And you know that when you've got 65,000 people all feeling doom and gloom, sometimes that can trickle onto the field and, and things can kind of spiral out of control. But then to also double back with a reprise of our opening act of North Carolina tripping over itself on national television and to actually be some kind of a, a validating win for Dave Dorn and this Wolfpack program, I loved every single second of it. It some of the late game coaching uh, and play was was pretty wild. It, Chip, I know you've watched NC State this year. Can you see what I mean by by how much I hate their offense? Yes, one hundred percent. They're just so much less than some of their parts. They their parts, their the, parts do not add it up. Yeah. Well, they get right. They cannot run the ball well, despite having two NFL offensive linemen at the center and the left tackle position, and two running backs that, like, I can't tell you who's an NFL running back, but I can tell you that Bam Knight and Ricky Person Jr. are damn good college football players at the running back position. It's it's crazy. Should we address the Lincoln Riley comment here? Yes, uh, Lincoln Riley in the post game press conference when asked about LSU said, "Quote." Let me stop you right there. I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU. Next question. So it's a pretty devoted. firm denial. <laughs> so who's it going to be at this point? Honestly, are we buying that? Else is, is Bama I mean, really going to get? Are, are they going to be able to rehome Bill O'Brien? No way. Oh like God. like LSU falls for that, right? No, not falls for that, but no, no way they fall that low on their list, right? So I didn't I tell you that I thought that if that happened, like a couple things was taking place. Number one, that Nick Saban would be angry because they'd break the two-year rule, or uh, the other option would be that this is the Brian Dayball, which was like Nick was like, "Hey, mm -mm, no, 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 this ain't working." And so when you say rehome, that means we're going Brian Dayball here, right? Mm -hmm. There's, yeah. I mean, let me just ask you this, Chip. What have you seen from Alabama's offense this year to make you think that Bill O'Brien's name is suddenly being floated as a coaching candidate because of how well Alabama's offense is? No, I I thought I told y'all off the jump. I just thought it was yeah. because he was well connected, had a good agent, and had good friends in the industry. And that, you know, a bunch of agents are talking to a bunch of college football writers. And after they mention the first three names of, hey, so who should I talk to? Who's gonna be in the mix for this? And then they're looking around and they're like, uh, and you know what? Bill O'Brien. Bryce Young's having a good season. How about Bill O'Brien? Doesn't that sound good? That was what my initial uh, so is, hunch was. So is LSU going to end up taking Napier after all and then leaving Florida and Virginia Tech with empty hands? No. So far, like, have you guys seen anything indicating that, that LSU has any interest in Napier? No. Everything I've read is he's like, you know, the backup. Yeah. Like, he's, he's Arizona State. Like, you're applying to Harvard and Yale – but you apply to Arizona State just in case. Who is applying to Harvard, Yale, and Arizona State? I did. No, all of them. <laughs> I did not apply to Harvard or Yale. Um, 
Yeah, no, without a doubt not. What about speaking of uh, speaking of private schools? Notre Dame, 45-14. So as Notre Dame is sitting on the couch next week watching all the conference championship games, they're going to do so having won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight, including 45-14, Haven't allowed more than 14 points in almost a month. I've been cooking offensively, kind of doing what they want. The Cincinnati loss clearly becomes very interesting depending on what happens in Cincinnati-Houston. How do you like the Fighting Irish's position right now in terms of the playoff? I think the fact that Notre Dame exists should really stop people from talking about a possible two-loss Alabama or two-loss Ohio State getting again, because one-loss Notre Dame would get in over both because you can't go to the brand at that point because it's not like Notre Dame doesn't have a brand. So if Cincinnati wins and Alabama loses and then Oklahoma State's playing Baylor next week now, right? Correct. And then Baylor beats Oklahoma State, I think Notre Dame gets in in that fourth spot. How hurt is Bohannon, and why didn't he play today? I don't know. Because Bohannon didn't play against Texas Tech, and it was one of those decisions where, I mean, look, we're talking about week 13. I'm sure everybody everybody is banged up, and you wanted to make sure that you you didn't cause any further injury in case you did end up uh, making it to the Big 12 championship game, which now they're in. So, hey, maybe it might be something that works out for them, but as Texas Tech was lining up to kick a game-tying field goal, the end of that game, I was starting to uh, to wonder if that was going to be something that came back to uh, bite Dave Aranda and that coaching staff in the rear end. But sure enough, Baylor ten and two after winning twenty seven to twenty four uh, against the Red Raiders, and now on to play Oklahoma State, which is uh, one of the only one of the two teams to hand Baylor a loss. Oklahoma State won that first game in Stillwater twenty four to fourteen. Is a uh... Is Oklahoma State with two losses? Are they in? With two losses? Or excuse me, not not with two losses. Oklahoma State, we would agree if they went out, they're in over Notre Dame. Yes, I yes. think so. I because I think they've got I think beating Oklahoma tonight and then beating Baylor gives them two wins that are probably better than any that Notre Dame has. Correct. Yeah, that's probably true. Notre Dame's schedule, if you look under the hood, is not very good. Now, they have disposed of most of it like you would expect. What's Notre Dame's best win? I mean, not... It's not Purdue, right? The loss to Cincinnati? No. (laughs) Like, it's... No, they don't really have, like, a great resume win. They've got a bunch of good wins, but they don't have, like, the... Wisconsin. Yeah, but see, even that win kind of loses some of its luster today. Because like Wisconsin's not going to be a top ten team. It could have been a top ten team had it won today. Wisconsin, and then you get it's Wisconsin, Purdue, North Carolina, Virginia, USC, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Like you just see how quickly you jump from Wisconsin and Purdue. Wisconsin, a top twenty five fringe team. Purdue, a top thirty type team. Then you get down to North Carolina, top fifty. You know, Virginia, top fifty. USC top 70, Virginia yeah. Tech top 70. Like, yeah, Notre Dame bought like $15 scratch off tickets, and only one of them came back with a free ticket this year. Mm. Mm. 
Um, all right. So, uh, so what else stood out? Where do y'all want to go? LSU. <laughs> vibes, man. The vibes. I said it on HQ this morning. The vibes were all in LSU's favor. Orgeron's last game going against the school where his new boss came from and the coach who his new boss wanted to replace him with. <laughs> like, there was no way LSU was losing that game tonight. There was no way. And it won in typical crazy Ed Orgeron kind of interim coach LSU fashion. And I think that's awesome. I think it's great for him. I, I, I Where's he next year? Counting money? I think he takes a year off. Okay, well, what if what if Mario Cristobal doesn't want to leave Oregon, but Miami really wants to fire Manny Diaz? Does Ed Orgeron come on home to Miami? And Kiffin turns him down? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if, if Miami hires Ed Orgeron? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not more outrageous than uh, than the ESPN broadcast today in FSU UF uh, stumping for Dion or Tebow uh, to be UF's next head coach. So, <laughs> I definitely think Florida should hire Tebow. Yes. Oh, no doubt about it. I don't think it'd be good for the results, but man, the content we would get out of Tim Tebow, Florida head coach. Okay, Ravel. <laughs> you know what tweet I'm talking about, right? Yes. This yeah, is terrible news for our country, but it makes for great content. <laughs> yeah. I I always root for the show. Mm-hmm. I always root for what's going to generate the most interest uh, for us right now. I, I tend to think that that Texas A&M loss is the, the sourest end for a season that included beating Alabama. For a season that included the first time we've seen a Nick Saban assistant beat Nick Saban, for it to end at eight and four feels like all of that. Um, you know, Barton used to get so mad at me when I would say that I'm not picking Texas A&M to do it, that I don't think Texas A&M is going to win the national championship, and he would be like, "Why?" Be like, I don't know. They haven't done it. They got all the resources. They got all the want to. They got all the care. They got more people invested emotionally and financially in trying to win a national championship and have for longer than most college football programs. And it hadn't happened. So I just don't think it's going to happen. And when I see this team beat Alabama, but also finish eight and four, that's kind of the disconnect that has me thinking like, all right, maybe, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. They paid Jimbo two and a quarter million dollars per SEC win this year. That's a lot of dough. That's, that's a lot of dough. I, I'm going to hold out judgment on them somewhat because they are recruiting at a different level uh, than they normally do even, right? They actually have a shot at the number one class. But again, four years in College Station, four years with the least explosive passing offense in the conference, it's not getting any better. Now, you could say they lost Haynes King, and they did. I think that's a fair point. I don't think Calzada is a very good quarterback. King was not necessarily lighting the world on fire before he went down. Maybe he would have gotten a lot better. We'll see. They like the quarterback they have coming in. But look, if if AM does not find a way to hit explosive pass plays, they will not 
be a serious national title contender. Period. You cannot you cannot win a national title without the ability to throw a haymaker in some way. And they're outside the top 100 damn near it every year. So Lincoln Riley and Jimbo Fisher have very firm on the record press conference comments distancing themselves from the LSU opening. Do you feel confident that both of them are are going to end up in their current spots for the start of the 2022 season? I mean, I think I think Lincoln was pretty clear cut with what he said. Technically, Tom, technically, he is not the next LSU coach, though, because Orgeron is going to coach the bowl game and Brad Davis will coach the bowl game. So if you want to kind of go lawyer here, he's playing chess. We're playing checkers. No, I I think I think Lincoln's based on what he said tonight. I think I believe him. I think he's going to stay at Oklahoma. I think Jimbo Go to state Texas AM. And I think that one of the things that maybe we need to discuss, like first unintended consequence of the early signing period is, you know, coaches rushing into bad recruiting classes that set them behind, you know, put them behind schedule. Then it's schools making moves on coaches quicker so that way they could try to keep their current recruiting classes in place. And the next latest unintended consequence is by giving other schools three months of notice that these schools are going to come poach your coach. You got a lot of time to talk to your guy about an extension and a raise to keep him there. So all of a sudden, all these top names, they're all getting new deals. They're all getting new raises and all these big schools that we thought were going to attract new coaches are going to be hiring some coordinators. That's how this goes, isn't it? Mm hmm. LSU coach so. Mike Elko. Well, and it might be a great hire. I'm just saying, you're not going to get the splashy home run that everybody thought everybody was going to get. You made a nice splash tonight. Kentucky. Hey. Oh, they they whipped Louisville. LSU head coach Mark Stoops. I don't think that would be a bad move at all. I don't think it would be a bad move either. I was yelling at Florida State for not hiring him before they hired Norvell. Now that seems to be going pretty decent for him, but still. I just... Yeah, I think Mark Stoops would be a great hire. Hell, I was sitting there joking, like, if Lincoln did leave Oklahoma for LSU, Oklahoma should go after Stoops. <laughs> the other oh, yeah, one, but, not Bob. Yeah, the, yeah, the other Stoops. Um, Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning is probably another. Like, if I'm going to say Mike Elko, then I need to very quickly also add in mm-hmm. another sensible, could land at one of these jobs uh, type name based on everything that we've seen from his work with Kirby and the Bulldogs. Also, what does happen if Auburn comes open to? Because yeah, like that, you throw Auburn boosters into an open coaching search with these jobs that are already open, and oh man, things are going to get funny. I think Auburn will come open next year. I'm not confident it'll come open this year, but wouldn't shock me, right? Like, will Auburn actually make the move before they get a new AD? I couldn't help but think about your. Um, two years lower, like Brian Harson beyond next year bet that no one took you on <laughs> as that game was unfolding, because it really felt like one of those, if Auburn wins that game, do I still believe the same things I do about Brian Harson's future at Auburn? I don't know. It makes it a lot more difficult. You take down, you know, Alabama at home and I'm, I'm sure that it was a, you know, big recruiting weekend and, and very, very important on a lot of different fronts. But then at the same time, you lose it. Does does that mean that all of the excitement that could have been there, if you happen to uh, convert in 
the fourth overtime or be able to win that game in, in an earlier overtime or, or not allow Bryce Young uh, to throw that touchdown to tie the game late. I don't know, man. It, that, was a, that was a fascinating moment for the Brian Harson tenure at Auburn where if Auburn wins that game in regulation, I, I try to forget a lot of the negativity that I have in terms of his outlook with the program, but yet that's not the result. They lose and I'm a little bit back to where you were when you pitched us the question, which is, I do not think Brian Harson is the long-term option for Auburn. Recruiting is going terribly. Um, I don't think he's a fit there. I don't think a lot of the power players wanted him there. I think their AD sees control when you had warring factions of boosters in order to make a hire of somebody who, you know, from the outside at least appeared confident or uh, competent. Although he did blow a Mountain West championship game in a fairly similar way a couple of years ago. If you guys remember that, I think it was against Fresno uh, where they didn't try to win the game in regulation and then he went to overtime and uh, field goal touchdown ball game. Recollections. Um, yeah, I I don't know what they would do if, if, if they open. It's very interesting here. So... I brought this up on Twitter. If Florida hires Billy Napier, right, after LSU, from all accounts that are not Florida accounts, showed no interest in Napier, somebody's going to look really dumb in about three or four years. Either LSU will look like it knew something that Florida should have realized LSU knew, or LSU will look really stupid because – as the narrative will go, LSU didn't want to hire the coach from Louisiana because mm-hmm. they thought they thought it was beneath them. Whereas Florida recognizes the guy can coach and he's doing well there. They, I guess, they could potentially both look dumb if they both make bad hires. But do you call Billy Napier at this point? Oh no, I jumped into your mentions on the tweet. It was a really good take. Okay, I liked it, and I and um, you. You've just got so many passion, the, like Bud's army. What do we call it? Bud's brigade. Do we have a name for it yet? But like, there's just I don't know if we do Bud's buddies. Just, yeah, there's so <laughs> many buds. Like Bud's buddies just always want to respond, and that's good, man. Because engagement is huge, clearly. But the uh, the my favorite responses, and it was a common thread, was and anybody who tells you they know the answer is lying. Like yeah. the. The idea that either a Florida fan who thinks LSU screwed up by not hiring Billy Napier or an LSU fan that thinks that Florida overvalued Billy Napier, they're all lying because they cannot feel certain or confident in that take at all because no one knows what Billy Napier is going to do with the Power 5 job and no one knows uh, – obviously who LSU is going to hire and whether or not that is going to compare favorably or not to Billy Napier. Should Billy Napier go to the Gators? It was a very, very interesting point to look at, especially with them being rivals, as you mentioned in the tweet, but to, to suggest that anyone, even including LSU or Florida has a confident feel one way or the other, uh, I think is a big, big, big reach. Uh, a team that got a pretty good extended tryout, by the way, if we, if we can pivot real quickly. Apple Cup. Oh, Washington Dick State. Got the job. Yeah, tonight. he did. Yeah. Just, I mean, I it might work out, but I always get kind of, kind of nervous when you hire the interim coach just because things went well. But 
it might might just be a good coach. It might be a locker room that enjoys the coach. And it might be a guy who's just nobody thought of to get the chance, but he's done really well. So he deserves to get another year to see what he can do. Kind of kept their recruiting class together. I I don't know who else was, was really going to get that job. I, I think Jay Norvell got mentioned, uh, the, the Nevada coach. I don't know. I, I, I think it could work out. Yeah, it's they have played really hard. Like considering all the circumstances that they had to deal with this year from before Rolovich was let go and then after he was let go, as a team that had plenty of you know, plenty of excuses to just pack it in and go, but they didn't do it. They kept playing really hard and yeah, you got to give Dickard a lot of credit for it. You have to give him a lot of credit and if I'm to put myself in the shoes of an athletic director when you promote the interim, you always have a short leash and a good excuse if you do want to move on. Wow, Chip, you're so Machiavellian. So cold-blooded. <laughs> I just know the way this works. Seen it before. But I, as you mentioned, it seems like the most sensible hire when you're trying to find somebody to guide this program out of the mess that has been the uh, the 2021 season. Whoever, like my one takeaway from watching the Apple Cup last night was that whoever Washington ends up hiring and whoever USC ends up hiring, I hope they both get it right because... Pac-12 really needs them to. Washington State's fans rushing the field at Washington was so disrespectful. Oh, that was nice. I was, enjoy seeing that. I I, I did enjoy seeing that as well. Um, congratulations to Wake Forest for getting it done. You know, so NC State wins that game, uh, eliminates Clemson from contention for the ACC championship for the first time since 2014. The Wolfpack have this incredible Friday night, wake up Saturday, and all they need is for Boston College to take care of business. And Phil Dracovic had a, a horrendous game. And I do not know if it was specifically health because uh, our reports, we had 10 players out of the game because of flu and Pete Thamel reporting that up to 30 or 32 players were impacted by the a flu virus that was going around. And Boston College was not the only team, by the way. It's just... It's that time of year, man. Like kids are getting sick, and if it's a very, very virulent uh, strain of the flu, it's going to run through a locker room pretty quickly. But the Eagles were in it early, but Wake was absolutely relentless. Uh, the Demon Deacons defense forces a couple turnovers, nineteen passing yards for uh, Boston College in this game, and uh, Wake wins forty-one to ten, clinching the ACC Atlantic for the second time, first since 2006, and they will meet Pitt in the ACC championship game next Saturday. Both teams 10-2, and two, both teams finishing 7-1 and one in ACC play. Neither team in the mix for a college football playoff, but in what was a down year for the ACC, I think that those are two worthy division champions, and my little ACC homer brain is actually pretty excited to, to see what happens when Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman go out there and start slinging it uh, in the Queen City. Yeah, I was actually kind of disappointed by like the lack of overall ACC today in that Wake crushed BC and Pitt. It fell behind, I think, early against Syracuse, but then it took complete control of the game. It was like I was waiting for somebody to do something really stupid just because you're used to seeing it in the ACC and then Clemson ending up in the title game. So I'm happy it didn't happen, but I was also disappointed. Um, a little G5 talk. UTSA loses their undefeated season. Killing Illinois' strength of schedule. Just can't believe it. 
Um, that's Seth Luttrell getting uh, North Texas to bowl eligibility after everybody had him as good as fired in the yeah. middle of the year. Mean Green had a hell of a back half of the season. And UTSA also, I believe UTEP also lost today. Our, our UTSA, UTEP midseason, um, you know, our darlings. They left it all on the field that day. <laughs> <laughs> it really seemed to, uh, to, to let it slide just a little bit late. I saw... Let's see. After their business in the Sun Belt. Six FAU USA. Did you see what Western Kentucky did to Marshall today? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, Grant Wells got hurt in this game, by the way. Oh, okay. Mar- Mar- Marshall QB. Um, but UTSA scored 47 points in the second half. It's a pretty good half football. Uh, I cashed the under on that barely. And I don't sweat games that hard. <laughs> but good God, dude, if I lost another under on some late game <laughs> nonsense. You got to be careful in rivalry week, man. They don't call off the dogs as much. All right. What about Egg Bowl back on Thursday? You said Egg Bowl didn't really do much for you, but it I wasn't mean, as Egg Bowl as it could be because it was so slow starting. What were all these like 13 play drives that take like six minutes and ends in field goals? Mm-hmm. Like this ain't this ain't. Saturday at 3.30 on the Big Ten Network? Come on, this is the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night. I mean, that's now nine straight major rivalry games that Mike Leach has lost. He lost seven straight Apple Cups at Wazoo, and now he's lost his first two Egg Bowls at Mississippi State. And like we talked about with Harson, like how things might be different had Auburn won tonight, like that whole Gus Melzon plan where they ignore a lot of your flaws if you keep winning the big game at the end of the season for a little longer. And it's like for Mike Leach, it's like for all the success that he's had and that he might have at Mississippi State, if you keep losing to Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl, they're going to get rid of you quicker. So Lane was playing possum? You because you Oh, really, God, yeah. Yeah, you really cooked it up. Like by, by the time I can't we, believe you we, fell for it. Oh, like yeah, it's Lane fine. Kiffin. I don't, I don't, I don't mind falling for it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I'm happy to have my heart broken by Lane Kiffin. <laughs> like, yeah, no, Lane Kiffin doesn't care about the Egg Bowl. Golly, I think Mike Leach is the greatest offensive mind of our generation. I sure do like them. Oh no, this is just another game to us. Yeah, I don't think it's healthy to hate anybody. No. Um, the, the more Lane does that, the more it's the opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you actually suggested in the group chat, you're like, they should just fire Leach and bring back Dan Mullen. Would you do that if you're a Mississippi State yeah. fan? Be honest. No. Really? I, I think they like Leach. Did they not like Mullen? I they- think they liked Mullen, but I don't know that they're going to forgive him for leaving. True, that might be it, but I, I don't know. Speaking of uh, forgive you for leaving, how about Tulsa sending Sonny Dykes out the door with a home loss? <laughs> Phil Montgomery was like hot seat earlier this year, mm-hmm. and I kept saying like they keep this team plays hard, they don't quit. It's freaking Tulsa. I don't know what you guys really expect. Good, good on them. Yeah, Tulsa found a way to finish with a better conference record than SMU did to be able to go six and six. SMU started all hot. Everybody was so excited, and they finished eight and four, 34 31. Uh, the Golden Hurricane get it done on the road. Uh, Arizona State wins the Territorial Cup, uh, 38 to 15. back. What? They, they announced Herm, Herm is and coming back. I was going to say, and they announced that Herm Edwards is coming back. So are we just officially going to scratch that off, or is that like Texas yeah. committing to Tom Herman committing? Well, it, 
unless the AD gets fired, Herm will be back because his agent's not firing him. <laughs> or his old agent isn't going to fire him. It's like Herm, Herm will be there. As long as the AD is there, Herm will be there as long as he wants to be there. Texas wins against Kansas State 22 to 17 on Friday. Are, are any of our Sark alarms like put away for good? Or are we still going to keep around? around? He was able to beat Kansas State with Will Howard at QB. Texas is back. That, that was that was painful. Um, <laughs> oh, let's give a was, shout out. Hold on, wait. Was was that a uh, is that a lock loss? Or yeah. Is that a, uh, yeah. We don't need to talk about lock losses because apparently it's a bloodbath. I haven't even. Oh, Chip, don't don't look at the dock, buddy. Do I have one at least? You you got Clemson right, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> I'm glad it was a short one. Is it one and six? One six and one. You pushed. Uh, FSU got that meaningless touchdown late to give you the push on FSU plus three. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, Wednesday, no, it was overall Wednesday, taping, Wednesday tapings aren't good for the squad. Nope. You need another day for the process Did to Danny run win? its course. I think Dan, I have an update. Danny's still got one game going. He's got UCLA minus six and a half right now. I think he's going to have a winning week as long as they cover. Okay. Mm. All I know is my money line sprinkles. I went two and two, and the two losses were freaking North Carolina blowing it against NC State and then Oklahoma tonight losing in Bedlam. Bowling Green. Falcons rise up. Army. Shocking that, that Liberty, after getting totally pasted by ULL, did not want to play hard in that game. But there's one game we, we, need, we need to discuss more. We, we talked about this in the pre-show meeting. Illinois. Tom. Thank you. Can I, can I just say, I know it doesn't mean anything because it's Illinois Northwestern and Illinois wins to go to five and seven. But just for once, to see Illinois completely obliterate another Big Ten team and literally, like not literally, but to suck their will to compete. Because, man, when they got to that third quarter, Northwestern no longer looked very interested in playing that game. And I have not seen Illinois do that to another Big Ten team in a very, very long time. And Illinois, they're going to be good, folks. They're going to be good. All right, so I don't get a lot right in the Big Ten, obviously. And I, I defer to Tom and all things Big Ten. But I got, I got one thing right in the Big Ten this year. And I was kind of joking when I said it, but I was like, look, Northwestern had the worst power five offense in the country in 2019. They could go back to being that this year. And I wasn't really serious. Vanderbilt scored 21 points today. I am pretty sure that Northwestern is going to finish with the worst offense in the power five, in SP plus at least, you yeah. know, for – Two of the last three years. There's going to be. I, I have a feeling we're going to see some staff changes in Evanston this offseason, both on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball, because the offense is just not working. And Mike Pajakin's been there for a few years, and they bring in the new DC this year, and just that defense was terrible. Illinois just, I mean, they, they ran all over him. Chase Brown had 100 yards. Illinois averaged 5.7 per carry. And then Brandon Peters, who has driven me nuts all season long. Because he never looks downfield. He's always looking. He's Charlie checked down. Comes out today, and he's just unleashing lasers all over the field. 14 to 24, 242 yards. Deep touchdown throw to Isaiah Williams. A couple other deep passes. Just I didn't know who I was watching all of a sudden. Okay. Before we get out of here, we might be able to lightning round this, and it might provide some interesting results. 
when we think about um, the rankings, because we'll have new AP top 25 and new coaches polls released on Sunday. We've got new college football playoff rankings that are going to be coming on Tuesday. Number one, Georgia. Duh. Right. But number two, is it Michigan or another one? Michigan. Michigan. They've got better wins than everybody else. Number three, does Alabama, which was number three in the playoff rankings and the AP top 25, by winning in four overtimes, do you think the Crimson Tide hold at number three? Yep. Cincinnati will be a four. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. Cincinnati was seven voting points away from Alabama in last week's AP Top 25, 1,423 to 1,416. I would note that the result against ECU probably doesn't do enough to be able to jump over going into Jordan-Hare and beating Auburn, ultimately. It might in the AP. It won't in the playoff. And then at number five, do you think that that's where you find Oklahoma State or Notre Dame? Pokes. Better wins than Notre Dame. Notre Dame will be sixth. Notre Dame will be sixth. I, I think they're going to have Notre Dame. At five? Really? Yeah, I I do because of how close that game was. And here's the thing. If if Oklahoma State wins, they can just easily jump Notre Dame and say conference championship. Yeah. It creates more intrigue. Mm. Yes. Bud has joined. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bud's buddies have joined the CFP and on army. Soon we will take over the world. By the way, I don't know if you guys how closely you followed this. I think Charlotte might need a defensive coordinator change uh, <laughs> the year. Shout out to Old Dominion who got bowl eligible by winning, I think, their three of their last Final Four, or maybe their Final Four. Charlotte has given up in its last games 56, 49, 42, 24 against Rice is pretty impressive. 45 to West Kentucky. FIU put 33 on these guys. Somehow they held Illinois to 24 in a losing effort. Uh, I was talking about that game with our buddy Robbie Calland on Friday, and we have noticed that, you know, listen, ODU home games, the tide water, it's, it gets real windy. You know, it's, it's a great wonder environment for trying to be able to capitalize on such advantages. But dealing with Charlotte's defense also changes your math in trying to calculate. Like It's like normally we're looking for what, like what? 14 to 17 mile an hour wins. And I think that if Charlotte's involved, I need to like have a three mile an hour, like wind adjustment for me to they need a turbine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So then at, at, after we look further down, I want to ask one more question. Where do you think Ohio state lands? Ohio state will be 10 and two. You're going to be comparing Ohio state with, like, is it going to be the top two loss team? Is it going to be where next to a, a Baylor or an Ole Miss or Oregon, uh, which, of course, it has the head-to-head loss to? I think it'll be seven. They might put Ole Miss at seven ahead of them, but I don't think they're going to knock the Buckeyes too far for losing to their number five team. I would agree. Uh, is this going to be the first Rose Bowl where we see a lot of opt-outs? Christian McCaffrey didn't wait. Maybe that wasn't a Rose. That was no. That that was the Rose Bowl. Against oh, okay. Iowa. Christian McCaffrey opted out of a Rose Bowl. And no, wait, no, no, no. Sorry, Christian McCaffrey did not opt out of the Rose Bowl. Iowa opted out of the Rose Bowl after Christian McCaffrey ran all over them. 
Uh, he quit. I was said, no, we, we're cool. We're just going to go study. Let that guy run for 7,000 yards. Is that okay. when they were saying the Stanford band was classless? Yes. Yeah. God, remember when Stanford like didn't get absolutely crushed by the early signing period? <laughs> Christian McCaffrey skipped the Sun Bowl. Not the yes. Rose Bowl. Yeah. He ran all over Iowa, forcing Iowa to opt out after the game had started in the Stanford-Iowa Rose Bowl. It was the Sun Bowl uh, that Christian McCaffrey did not play again in. If if the Rose Bowl ends up being Utah and Iowa, where are you setting that total? 39, 41. <laughs> See, I think, I think Utah could put up some points on the Hawkeyes. I'd say 46. I mean, are Utah's- they... Is- Utah is good. Mm-hmm. They are. They are the team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs. Oh, wait. There aren't any. <laughs> yeah. Utah did play with its food a little bit. Not that I blame them, but, you know, it was the Friday season finale against the Colorado team that they, you should thrash with the Pac-12 title game on. No, nah, the there, there were some cosmetic touches to the end. The, Utah dominated that whole game. I know I was watching it with the biggest Utah fan on earth. Oh, Lynn, is that yeah. the the yeah. team that she's decided to align herself with? Not officially, but yeah. Okay. Did, does she listen to the show? Uh, she's probably watching right now. Got it. Okay. Well, you want to say something mean about her? No, no, I was going to say something in private chat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say something mean about her. Um, Utah sucks. Go Buffs. Oh, rivalry. House divided. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, okay. Anything else from the week that we want to, uh, make sure we hit on before we get out of here. Jerry kill got the New Mexico state job. Um, congrats. <laughs> There's uh Florida state lost to Florida, but if we, if we get four more likes, then we will have a Monday merch giveaway. According to Coca four likes. Oof. Grab your which, burners. Which coaches get are getting fired tomorrow? So does Taggart get fired? Mm, I feel like I feel like we. I don't know if Cut's going to get fired, but I feel like we could get an announcement. But yeah, I, that's no, not a firing, though, right? Like with, no. with, with all he's done for Duke, that's got to be a retirement. Yeah, okay. that'll be just a. Oh, by the way, I just got an angry text from Lynn. Um, <laughs> I'm trying, that's the thing. It's like I'm trying to figure out because, you know, tomorrow is going to be Black Sunday. So there's going to be a whole lot of coaching news. I'm guessing. I think Taggart could be because, I mean, they, how, what were they winning that game by before they blew it? Uh, they they blew a like, 17 point lead. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's no bueno. Just, Napier to Florida. Troy already, already got, already, already got theirs done with Chip mm-hmm. Lindsay. Yeah, Lindsay's out of the paint. Is there, is Dino safe? No. Apparently the the dollar amount there is really big, so I'm going to say yes. Okay, Adazio might go tomorrow. Nevada beat Colorado State. Adazio left to 10 and he got time. he got ejected, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. got ejected for an unsportsman like before halftime. Did you see the hilarious Colorado State uh, fourth quarter like rave thing they do at every game, even when they're losing 38 to seven, and there's like seven people in stands? No, I did not see that. Tonight. Go go search for it on, on Twitter. It is. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, oh, Michigan Penn State was awesome in the snow today because on the TV, this, this, the Spartan Stadium field was completely covered in snow, so you could not see Penn State. 
because they were wearing white. But it was kind of the same with Michigan State because they were wearing white helmets. And, you know, the parts of the, the parts of the field you could see were green, which matched their jerseys. So it was like both teams perfectly blended into the field. If like that game in, in another season was huge and just as awesome as Ohio State, Michigan, but because of where those two teams are at this point in the season, there was just no way it was taking a top billing. It had a national broadcast. It looked awesome on TV but I did not see the same amount of, man, this is the best college football viewing experience kind of commentary that you had around the snow that was falling at uh, in Ann Arbor, even though it was so much more snow in East Lansing and so much more of a snowball-type environment. Yeah, another fun game today that I didn't give it, wasn't able to really dedicate my full attention to, but I had on and I was kind of watching Battle Puss, Oregon, Oregon State. Oregon State made it a game in the fourth quarter, made it look a little bit closer than it was. Things got chippy. There was some pushing. There was some shoving. Records were thrown out. No love was lost. But Oregon overall, pretty impressive. I was impressed with the way they responded to last week's loss to come out to win this game. That game was complete nonsense. <laughs> they scored 33 points through the first three quarters. Feeling pretty good about under 64. Got a great number. I think it closed 61 and a half. And then Oregon's like throwing way late for really no reason because they actually have something to play for next week. And then Oregon State is converting like fourth and 18s and going for it and then starting a brawl in the end zone. Yep. And uh, that uh, TCU th- threw um, back-to-back play-action bombs when they were up 27 points with, I think, two minutes left. Toledo uh, today could have taken knees and instead uh, continued to throw and then scored like 38 seconds to hit that over. That was fun. Um, there's a couple more of these. I'm sure there was one on, on, on Friday that I'm missing. Jeff Collins, safe or no? No. Yes. Uh, well, pretty rough today, man. You bet. Uh, listen, I, I'm only you saying. You want to make no this because... higher this year? And, and if so, like, do you have a guy you want? Yeah. But to get, because to get beat like a hundred to nothing in your last two games of the season is a pretty rough way to finish. I mean, don't make the move unless you do have like to your point, bud, and to, unless you know that you've got a, a pretty good game plan, don't wander in, on November 29th into the wilderness and be like, well, now let's start a search. I mean, have, have your ducks in a row without a doubt, but I, I wouldn't argue against making that move. I think they knew the back half of the season was going to be very difficult, though. We, I think we talked about this on the show. When we talked win totals, we said, hey, the thing is, you're probably going to, going to get this figured out by Halloween, and then you got to wait another month for your money. Basically. But they lost to Northern Illinois, got their ass kicked down the stretch. Three and nine. Their season Duke, win total was four and a half. A Duke collapse is the third win. Georgia Tech 24, Duke 21. Happened about maybe four weeks ago. Duke had a lead in the second half and just absolutely choked it away. It was it was a two coaches enter. Would not be surprised if zero coaches come out of it. Wasn't even a Thunderdome. One coach comes out. Just So it was a bad matchup. It was a game that no one won. It was just one team lost by more. You're, you're at least making coordinator changes there, right? I get, I need to do more research into like the 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 vibes and and you know where people are in terms of the relationships on that staff but I it's not top of mind right now 
Oh, I, uh, I, I found my notes on Dino from the old Barton and Bud uh, show notes that I had. So I think it was Thamel who last year dropped on a podcast that he would be owed like 20 plus if they were going to fire him last year. And so my note says several years before this is reasonable. So I think Dino's safe. That'd be great. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see it. But Unless this thing drops, drops survives another, another season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a Clay Hilton contract. We're like, wait a second, USA made the buyout. What? But you don't know it because it's a private school. So like, it, until you find it out, it's like, oh, okay. And then it's like, oh, wh- oh my God, Lynn Swan was their AD. That was that was a thing that happened at, at USC. I'm I'm basically at that point in the coaching carousel because it's been going on for so long that I think Tom could still play this game, and I would say that no one is safe. He could keep asking me, "Is so and so safe?" But no. So is it safe? No, I I, I don't know. The, the best answer is: Is this coach gonna get fired? I don't know. He might be. He might be. <laughs> he might be. Very very well could be. There, Rod Carey got to be gone, right? From from my temple. Hey, I hope he stays because then I can just keep fading Temple again next year. <laughs> shout out to the Owls and shout out to the FIU Panthers for doing as I expected. And shout out. You had to be a little scared though. Entering the fourth quarter when it was only when they were only up ten. Nah. Against, uh, Southern Miss. FIU. You can no, ask no, Chip. no, no, no. Uh, Navy. No, I knew Navy was gonna. Okay. That was. But no, shout out to our uh, the one listener who parlayed the alternate lines on Navy, on FIU, and on Purdue with the the quit the teams that are quitting principally. He bet against Indiana, Temple, and FIU. He hit the parlay. I think he put. I think it was like a fourteen to one hit for him. So shout out to that guy. A triple quit alt line is really where this show has ended. You know, put <laughs> on a shirt. <laughs> yeah, actually, if if he doesn't mind, we might actually might make that a new piece of cover three merch of just the, <laughs> to to really show how how deep it can get uh, here on the cover three podcast. Oh, Chip, last one, or well, unless Tom has more, UVA. Mm. How do you not win that one? You have Brennan. Oh, it's the same damn story every year in that game. Did you guys watch any of this? I, I didn't get to see a minute of it. I, I just I saw that they tried to throw a pass, a, a tackle eligible pass in the last play of the game. I did not see any Allegedly. of the second half. What I saw from the first half showed me it was going to be dumb, and I just I couldn't. I I, I didn't think I was going to get any professional advantage in terms of preparation for this podcast or any of the things I had to write or talk about on HQ. I saw <laughs> I had to make a business decision, just cut that one free for the second half. Oh, I saw, Tech ran for 320. Yeah, I saw a decent portion of the fourth quarter. It was just a dumb game. <laughs> and I love dumb football. Y'all know I love mm-hmm. dumb football, but sometimes when the minutes are slim, we got to prioritize what we're actually going to be talking about here for our jobs. Uh, I might circle back and, uh, and, and see what that looks like, but uh, maybe... Maybe I'll spend some time with it on uh, on Monday or Tuesday. Oh, and hey, shout out to Coca's West Virginia for picking up that win against Kansas. I think that got them bowl eligible. He's safe. Neil Brown. Yeah. Yes. They are bowl eligible. Coca cusses off Mike. Staff changes. I don't. Are you up on the like assistant coaching carousel, but because I don't, I don't think I've got the energy for it this season. I'll just go ahead and admit that one openly. I'm gonna need you to to carry that uh, that that mantle if you want it. 
I've, I've got some of it. Like we're just just where teams that are really unbalanced. Like okay, well, this team actually is not bad. They're in like the 30s on defense, and oh my god, they're in the 90s on offense. That that could be like they're not going to fire the guy right now, but they're they could easily make, make a coordinator uh, type change. Coco wants us to mention Air Force for winning with no pass attempts, scoring 48 points on 69 rush attempts. Nice. But they didn't make it to uh, the Mountain West Championship game. Mountain West Championship game is going to be San Diego State and Utah State. Mm -hmm, Just like God intended. Because Utah State just doesn't quit. What a collapse by Boise. Oh, yeah. San Diego State, nicely done. Mm. Difficult to see. It was, we went in with, I think, 14 different outcomes for the Mountain West. I think so, yeah. I was breaking them all down on CBS Sports HQ on Friday. And I was like, if, if all of these teams win, it's Air Force. If all these teams lose, it's Air Force. And here are all of the 12 results in between those two outcomes (laughs) for all these teams. The pretzel. Okay. You can follow him on Twitter at BudElliott3. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back with you live on Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. for a fun further review. And because we got enough likes, we will have a Monday merch giveaway. So make sure you jump in and do that. You can subscribe at YouTube.com slash Cover3. Smash the bell for notifications so you know when we go live. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Enjoy your division title, Iowa, because Illinois is winning the next 20. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.